This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, August 13th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The Securities and Exchange Commission wants to get into the business of deciding which businesses are environmentally friendly, socially beneficial, and well-governed. And that raises a lot of questions about how to measure those qualities and why exactly the SEC is thought to be best suited to do that measuring. Cato's Jennifer Schulp discusses the steady creep of what's known simply as ESG into regulating your investment choices. You know, recently on the podcast, we talked a little bit about fair trade coffee. It's a nice little label, says it's fair trade, and you're supposed to be able to draw some conclusions about that based on that label. And there are all sorts of uh, environmental labels that people put on products and they say, well, this this label demonstrates that our products are uh you know, you can feel good buying our product. So what's the equivalent of that uh, for investment products? And how, you know, how do the, the agencies that are trying to oversee this, how do they, how are they trying to make these companies uh, be clear about what their uh, environmental impact might be? Well, there's no one label, like a fair trade label or like an organic label that investment products get to show that they are good for the environment or good for society generally. Um, The SEC has recently become very concerned with this, um, with the rise of ESG or environmental, social and governance investing, where investors are, in theory, looking to do good by also investing, and doing well for themselves. The SEC recently proposed two rules um, regarding funds, investment funds, that are aimed at combating what what is termed as greenwashing. Um, So pretending that one is being more environmentally friendly than one is. Um, Neither one of those rules, though, are really going to be great for the investment fund industry, for combating greenwashing, or for investors at the end of the day. Okay, so when you say an investment fund, you're talking about multiple different companies that are uh, packaged together like you would a mutual fund? Yes, like a mutual fund, like an exchange-traded fund, um, where you are buying into kind of a basket of investments but that, you're also that buying, fund companies holding. You're also buying into the vision. The vision is, and the manager, um, what, the, what the manager is doing with that fund. There's a whole, I would say, multitude of ways that you can run a fund. You can run a fund that's actively managed, where an investment manager is, is picking and choosing uh, regularly what goes into that basket. You can run a fund that's passively managed, where those are typically tied to an index that someone else has put together, and all that fund is trying to do is track the index. Um, There's a lot of different ways, similarly, to have an ESG fund. Um, And that's part of the government's concern, part of the SEC's concern, is that saying that you're doing, quote, ESG, doesn't really tell the investor all that much about what you're doing. But the way that the SEC is going about this is not really going to help solve that problem. Uh, Gary Gensler, the chair of the SEC, has been very fond of comparing this to product labeling, which we were already talking about. And the idea that when you get skim milk, you know exactly what's in skim milk. It's a set percentage, and you know what's there. 
But when you invest in an ESG fund, that that um, fund manager could be doing any number of different things. They could be excluding investments because they don't meet criteria. They could be including investments because they do meet criteria. They could be looking to have their fund track a certain amount of emissions, um, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, they could be doing any number of different things um, on the ESG front. And the bigger concern, I think, then not necessarily understanding what they're doing is that investors might not be getting what they think they're getting from the fund. And the SEC already has rules to deal with that, where an investor is being told things that are not being followed through. The SEC can bring those actions. And in fact, they recently have. Um, they brought an action against a big fund manager who said that they were doing certain ESG-related activities, and it turned out they weren't. Okay. Um, that's already actionable under current law. We don't need a whole host of new rules in order to make sure that funds are living up to their promises to investors. So I'm imagining a large institutional investor or uh, like a like a pension fund or, or something like that deciding that we're moving in this direction. We're going to try to buy into more environmentally conscious investments, and we're going to uh, trust these people uh, who are managing these funds to, to tell us that what they're doing is falls in line with this. That could be very attractive uh, for some investors. Um, and to the extent that you've got that label that you created yourself and you decide, you say, no, my, my ESG fund really is uh, more environmentally friendly than, uh, you know, the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Fund. Um, and so uh, I guess what is, how does the SEC view its role in telling these people, no, you're not really doing this, uh, ESG? So that's where these two new rules come into play, or these two new proposed rules. The The comment period's open. It'll be open for a couple more weeks until August 16th, if this strikes your fancy and you're interested in submitting a comment yourself. But the first rule is a change to how funds can be named. So as it stands right now, if you are a fund that says you invest in stocks, 80% of your investments need to be in stocks in order to say that. Um, but if you say that you're a fund that invests in ESG, you're not subject to that rule right now. The SEC's new proposed rule would make you subject to that rule, saying that if you say you're an ESG fund, you need to invest 80% of your investments in ESG. The problem with that is, what is ESG? And what is good for the environment? What is good for society? Well, the SEC realizes with this rule that it can't define ESG because that's putting the SEC in a place where it's deciding what's good for the environment or good for society. You know, that's the right call. But in order to enforce this rule, the SEC is going to have to make those definitions on the back end, outside of the public, about what is and is not reasonably called ES or G. And that's a problem. The, the better solution here is to leave it as it is, where kind of squishy terms like ESG or a growth investment or a value investment are kind of 
left up to the investor to do some more investigation as to what that means. Um, So that's the first rule. (laughs) The second rule has to do more with fund disclosure. And that rule is pretty complicated uh, and requires a lot more disclosure of funds who say that they are following ESG strategies, Um, including if you are a fund that follows an environmental strategy, you're going to now need to disclose your fund's greenhouse gas emissions um, exposure. Uh, A lot of the disclosures that are coming in that rule are pretty prescriptive. They're telling funds what they must do in order to use these terms, um, including the greenhouse gas emissions, but also how often they need to meet with uh, company boards if they're pursuing an activist-type strategy. And that rule, again, doesn't define ES or G, but that rule has the real potential to both increase costs to the ultimate investors of the funds, but also potentially reduce choices for fund investors when funds are kind of going to converge on certain strategies that are easier to disclose um, or easier to fit into this new disclosure framework. What about the companies that companies work with that they buy products from, that they get their inputs from, that they uh, firms that they then sell to? It seems that if you're doing a disclosure regime around uh, what some publicly traded firm does, you're sort of necessarily invest or wanting to investigate their supply chain and where they fit into various supply chains and all the people that they work with upstream and downstream. That's right. And particularly, I think the the example on that is starkest here with respect to the greenhouse gas emissions. Because if you're a fund that's investing in companies and you're following under these rules, an environmental strategy, you'll need to disclose their greenhouse gas emissions. Some of those companies, under another SEC-proposed rule, are going to have to disclose those emissions. Other companies will not. But the the fund invest the fund itself is going to have a real interest in investing in companies that are already doing that hard work for them <laughs> than trying to do the investigation on their own. So I've said this might hurt investors, um, but it also might hurt companies that are not subject to SEC rules already, um, smaller companies, farms, <laughs> all the way down the line, um, because they're going to be in a situation where their investor is looking for very expensive information (laughs) that the SEC is requiring them to have. I do not relish uh, living in a world in which uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission is making determinations about which companies are relatively green. Absolutely not. And, And over and above that, there are open questions about Actually, what is green? Things that have, have shifted over years in the 70s, it was, everyone was anti-nuclear. And now uh, as, as people are sort of sounding a, a more substantial alarm about climate change and, and the impacts that they believe are happening around us based on climate change, uh, nuclear may be very attractive. And yet, depending on how uh, a federal agency determines it, it may not 
qualify as something that is green. And that problem is repeated tenfold when we start talking about the S factor, which is the social factor. Um, there's been say, an interesting example of that recently was the war in Ukraine. Um, Europe has a number of rules out already about classifying investments as environmental or sustainable. And defense manufacturers were not recognized as part of a social good. Um, and post-war in Ukraine, the idea of self-defense has become something that people are now thinking maybe should have been considered as part of the S factor. So these concepts are constantly shifting um, to the extent that any government agency should be involved in deciding what they are. It's certainly not a securities regulator. This sort of reminds me of the food pyramid in the sense that it was locked in stone for a really long time. And there were various interest groups that got their products into the, into the food pyramid and others that did not. But science has since evolved and, and people have thought, well, maybe the food pyramid isn't so great. But I can't imagine that uh, the uh, interests in, in environmental impact, social and you know, proper governance would not be fighting tooth and nail to make sure that their interests are included in whatever uh, more favorable investments uh, are available than not. And it's, it's sort of politicizing the the, ver the very idea of what is, you know, what is good, a good investment, not an investment that necessarily returns uh, year over year high returns, but is actually doing good things. Yeah, and that's a problem that's been kind of evident throughout the SEC's agenda. Uh, the climate disclosure rules that the SEC has proposed for public companies uh, were, say, heavily influenced by environmental activist groups. Uh, you can see it in the footnotes to that rule proposal, um, the number of times that the Climate 100 were cited um, versus the number of times that others were cited that were just investment groups that had no environmental interest. Um, but we've the problem exists with the funds as well, which we're talking about today. I mean, what concerns me the most about this, greenwashing, I think, is absolutely a concern. And I have no issue with the SEC being concerned about that. Um, investors should be getting what they think they've signed up for. But when the SEC steps in to say, we're going to make rules that are going to stop you from, from being fleeced, <laughs> people lose some of the incentive to look a bit deeper into these strategies and understand for themselves what it is they're investing in. Uh, you, you lose that, that comfort is kind of a cold comfort. And um, in addition to all of the other problems that I've <laughs> that I've outlined, I think it's a problem for the SEC to be kind of pushing ESG investing with um, kind of what they're putting on as guardrails or a safety valve, when in fact investors really should be doing the work to understand that ESG investing is very diverse. Um, it may very well not follow a strategy that you're interested in, even if you like the top line. And it's not as easy as food labeling. Uh, and food labeling by is no by no means not complex either. Um, but this is much more difficult than labeling ingredients in food, despite how Gary Gensler likes to to couch it. Yeah, I, I think 
one of the upsides of the SEC not engaging in this kind of rulemaking is that uh, to the extent that there are fights that are had about what qualifies as ESG uh, or any of it, it falls within any of those categories that is uh, on the plus side, uh, that there, I would think to the extent that there are investors who demand that kind of information from uh, the companies and investment funds that they invest in, that there would be demand for some sort of certification from uh, private groups that say, well, our strategy is to look at ESG in this way, whereas another environmental group may provide a different kind of certification to these individual companies and just let it work itself out. And those certifications are starting to happen. Um, there's a lot of different frameworks that are looking for certifications or that the investment funds can sign up for saying that they're doing things a certain way. There's also a lot, uh, it's not to den deny that there's demand in the market for more information about what these strategies mean. And you can see that over time in how investment funds have increased their disclosures voluntarily about what it is they're providing. Uh, that's great. We should have more of that. And the SEC stepping in to tailor those disclosures at this point um, is only setting in stone things that should not be set in stone right now. Jennifer Shelp directs financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 